Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Thank you so much for sharing out this podcast. We had our all-time high last year, uh, many more podcast downloads than ever before. So if you want to pop a review in your podcast app, that would certainly help us so other people can know what kind of experience you're having with the podcast. And if you want to share it out on social media, we post it on our page and in our group and they're easy to share or uh, tag people or whatever you can do with favorite podcasts. And we're just grateful to be able to share this message with more and more moms all the time. The community is growing. We're about to hit a thousand women in our Facebook group and the friendships that are being made in the community that's being created in the homes that are being strengthened is really so inspiring. It is so humbling to spend time with such stellar women and to be inspired by your goodness and greatness. Really, really such a privilege for me. Today we're going to dive back into our seven laws series. We are at law two, principle two. So of course, law two is to love yourself and principle two is to discipline your heart and mind. And of course, I had to go to the 1828 dictionary and look at the word discipline. It was quite fascinating actually to see what it said about what discipline is. Let me read you a few of the phrases. Education, instruction, cultivation, and improvement in morals and manners. Due subordination to authority, communication of knowledge, and the regulation of practice. Regulating principles and practice. Subjection to laws, rules, order, precepts, or regulations. So really, what all of these definitions boil down to is that we are educating ourselves, improving ourselves morally by regulating our practices with our principles. So you have an authority higher than you. For us at the Mission Driven Mom, of course, these authorities are God and his laws and the principles that govern human life and behavior. And when we put our practices, our applications, our daily behavior in line with those principles, then we are being disciplined. And we can discipline ourselves. One of the things I think I say in one of the lectures, one of the videos in the academy, is from a woman that I learned long uh, from years and years ago. I can't remember where, what the occasion was, but she said something that just struck me so forcefully. She said, as I got into my youth years and faced the prospect of leaving home, I suddenly realized that I was going to have to make myself mind myself. And that made all the difference for her to come to understand that no one else was going to be in charge of her. And I've got a really cool quote for you that is around that idea to share. But what we want to do to love ourselves better. We talked last time about meeting our real needs. This time we want to live this principle of disciplining our hearts and our minds. 
So I'm going to start with, I'm going to give you some tools for how to do that, some jumping off places. Can't go into a lot of detail about these, but I'll give you some examples of things that you could do to gain greater self-mastery. Of course, this is what this law is all about, that we are striving for self-mastery. And that is mastery in meeting our needs, mastery in disciplining our heart and minds, and mastery in developing our gifts and using them to serve. And so let's start with the mind. How can we better discipline our minds? Now my personal mission statement is from a quote from Albert Schweitzer's autobiography. It's actually something he says, I think, in the appendix. And he's a man who's had a huge influence on me. If you've not listened to his podcast about his life, please go listen to it. But something that he said that is, I think it's even on my emails. He says, I stand and work in the world as one who aims at making humankind morally better and less shallow by making them think. And he's the one that really turned me on to this idea that we cannot truly progress mentally, meaning our minds become enlightened and more infused with truth without it having a spiritual influence on us and vice versa. As we grow spiritually, we will also grow mentally. They're interconnected. They're almost inseparable. Maybe they are inseparable. And so he saw this important connection and that of course is what we're trying to do in the academy is stimulate and help to grow spiritually and mentally simultaneously so in terms of develop disciplining our minds of course the tradition of the great books is something that i talk about a lot it was the education I found after having three kids that totally changed my life. And it's the place where, and it doesn't have to be the great book set, but in talking about the great books, we're talking about the men and women who have had the greatest impact on the way people think, especially in the Western world. And countless times, these great thinkers and philosophers and theologians bring up in these great books, the importance of, of our ability to reason as setting us apart above all other things on the earth. That it's really our reason that makes us so different. Other animals seem to have emotions, maybe not the same kind of bonds, certainly not the depth of the emotion that we have, but certainly they have emotion, but what they don't have is consciousness and what they don't have is reason. And so to be truly human, to really stand up as we're meant to stand up, we need to develop our reason. And so that is the first thing that we can do in disciplining our minds is to develop our reasoning and logical thinking skills. Mortimer Adler said, anyone who has done any thinking, even a little bit, knows that it is hard work. In fact, the very hardest work that human beings are ever called upon to do. And what, one thing that's interesting to me about this is I've read about actually several people who, especially in, in the last century or so, as we lost the great books tradition and liberal education in our country, got kind of a not as great education in their younger grades, but as, even in college, they didn't feel like they were really, really challenged 
there's a lot of memorization that goes on. There's a lot of pleasing the professor, but really thinking deeply, making comparisons, drawing conclusions, and exercising their reasoning skills. They'll often talk about how they didn't really happen until law school. And then they really had to draw on those powers and learn to think much more rationally and logically. It is a huge aid to us in all kinds of trouble. You know, my husband, it's kind of fascinating, but he's emotion-based and I'm thinking-based, which I don't know that we don't always traditionally think of men and women in that way, but that's how, that's kind of our natural go-to. And one of the things that he's told me often about the education that we've been working on for 20 years now is how much it's tempered his emotions, how much easier it is for him to control his emotions and how so often he'll get caught up in a deep, big emotion and he'll be able to kind of talk himself down and remind himself of the truth and remind himself to be grateful and all those, you know, tools that we teach and that he's learned. So, so, so important to develop our reasoning and logic, logical thinking skills There's a story in the Little House series from Laura Ingalls Wilder where she attends a 4th of July celebration in town with her father. She's about 14 years old. And the tradition then was that the crowd stood and listened while the entire declaration was read aloud. You know, all through the 19th century and into the 20th century, that's usually what was done on the 4th of July. And so she makes the comment that, of course, she and her younger sister have it memorized because that's what you did in school in in that day and age. And, um, And then she goes on to say this. When the speaker was done and the group had sung, My Country Tis of Thee, Laura said, Suddenly, now this is Laura talking about herself in the third person. So she's talking about Laura as if it's not her. Suddenly she had a completely new thought. The declaration and the song came together in her mind, and she thought, God is America's king. She thought, Americans won't obey any king on earth. Americans are free. That means they have to obey their own consciences. No king bosses Pa. He has to boss himself. Why, she thought, when I'm a little older, Pa and Ma will stop telling me what to do, and there isn't anyone else who has a right to give me orders. I will have to make myself be good. Her whole mind seemed to be lighted up by the thought. This is what it means to be free. It means you have to be good. Our Father's God, author of liberty, the laws of nature and of nature's God endow you with a right to life and liberty. Then you have to keep the laws of God, for God's law is the only thing that gives you a right to be free. Now this is a beautiful passage for lots of reasons and on many levels. But the thing I want to point out is her ability to make deep moral and um, principled connections. She is interpreting at age 14. This is a very profound insight that no one has said to her before. And her memorization of important documents and reading great classics and class discussion and just being tutored and educated in a certain way has helped her have this ability to think deeply and to make connections and to use her reasons and principles to guide her own life and to assume ownership of herself and recognize what it is she has to do to really be a happy, productive adult in the world. So I just absolutely love that. 
Another tool that we have that we use is the five types of questions. You can see that. I talk about that in other podcasts in detail in the academy. It is important that you learn to ask good questions for all kinds of reasons. Ask empowering questions. There's a podcast about that. And so you'll want to develop that skill that will help you develop your reasoning skills. And then you'll want to read classics, mark your books, journal, and engage in quality discussions. This is mental development and any development and growth requires stress and challenge. So challenge yourself. The second way that you can discipline your mind is to control your thoughts and align them with truth and principles. People talk incessantly today about the power of thought. And it is a true principle that we attract what we think about because our actions are drawn from our thoughts. It's a very logical conclusion. I mean, it makes absolute sense. And those core beliefs, or as we talk about in the MDM Academy, those misbeliefs are governing the thoughts that we're having and thereby governing our behavior. So what we have to do is learn to control our thoughts. One of the uh, quotes from a couple quotes from uh, one of the books that we use is nobody's life circumstances are perfect, but what are we telling ourselves about those circumstances? That's something that James Allen talks about and you've heard of, you know, his books and other books that talk about this, but it isn't something that we can take lightly. I think we feel like we're inundated with it so much that Maybe it's not all that important, but if you ever stop to think about what you're thinking about, when I've mentored people in the past, one of the activities I'd sometimes have them do is simply write down what they're thinking about throughout the day. It's quite eye-opening and it can be somewhat painful, especially when there's a lot of negative self-talk and we're talking to our way, ourselves in a way we would never talk to somebody else. That must be governed and reined in and, and brought under control. It's not true. And so if you're in the uh, Facebook group, if you were with us the last couple months, we have Lighting Our Lamps Morning Inspiration for Moms, and you can go into the videos section there and look at past uh, recordings of our Lighting the Lamps. I did it every day for um, a month and a half, and I talk quite a bit about what truth statements are, how we can tell ourselves the truth, uh, lots of tools there for you. If you'll go join the Facebook, uh, the Missionary Mom Mastermind Facebook group, that will really, really help you. But as we change our thoughts, as we change those misbeliefs and start telling ourselves the truth, we remember that we can't change. Often we can't change our circumstances. We definitely can't change the other person, but we can change our beliefs, our interpretations, how we see others and how we behave. And those, and this changes our outcomes and it helps us overcome negative emotions. So just remember, this is something that you can learn to control. It is part of disciplining your mind and important for you to spend more time and energy on um, something we definitely delve into in the MDM Academy and give you some tools to help you with that. Another great quote on this. You are the controller of your happiness or your unhappiness. Yet, 
Learning to be happy, adjusted, productive, and attractive person cannot be done for you. Your therapist can't do it for you. Your doctor can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. They can't push a button and presto, you're no longer depressed or anxious. It takes work on your part to be happy. And I feel like sometimes people fall into discouragement and remain discouraged because they don't know what actions to take. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do is help you understand what actions you can take. The third tool for disciplining your mind is to regularly set goals and envision. Envisioning is a key, key principle. It is the spiritual creation of our lives. And we need to take a hold of that. We need to take ownership of the pictures that flash in our mind, the thoughts that are going on, and the things that we are creating. One of the things we talk about in the academy is you cannot not create. You're always creating. So you have to ask yourself the question, what am I creating? And set about creating what you want, creating what is in line with God's laws, of course, but would be very righteous desires of things God would want for you, but you're being held back by your fears or just by your apathy around the envisioning process. Now, of course, this is something we're going into quite heavily at our event this fall. It's Mothers of Vision, and I've been working on this and practicing it for several years now. And we're getting more tools and resources for you, and you'll be mentored and tutored. You'll build an action plan, and you'll walk out of there with something to envision and knowing how to envision it to better create the life that you want. So this is really, really important skill. Of course, it starts by uh, just determining what that goal will be and putting pictures of, you know, just building an environment to make it possible to, to fulfill it. And then remind, constant reminding yourself with images. And, um, I, you, I listen to voice memos of myself and I put true statements up and I, you know, there's just so many practices that you can use and it does require a little sliver of your day. It does require being intentional and setting aside the time and, and making it a priority. But, you know, the payoff is so massive to live intentionally that way. So those are three tools for you to discipline your mind. Let's talk about a few for disciplining the heart. Number one, this is something, of course, we hit it very hard in the academy, but I have other podcasts on this as well if you want to get started. And this is staying out of victim mode. This is not allowing ourselves to slip into that. Of course, there's three roles in the drama triangle and my favorite role to play <laughs> is the rescuer. I've probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but what I tend to do, and I do see this reflected in a lot of other moms. And so, you know, I'm not afraid to own it. I'm actively working on it. I am not anywhere near perfect at it, but I'm trying. And one of the ways that I know that I'm doing this is because now you can have kids that get into kind of a bratty place and so they'll just blame you for stuff. But if my kids are telling me that they, I, they don't need me to fix them, I know I'm being a rescuer because the feelings like they're broken, like there's something wrong with them, not their behavior, like they need fixing is is what a rescuer does and how they make the other person feel, which is really tragic. And one of the things that, that I do as a rescuer 
is first I feel really obligated to rescue even though I don't want to often. And then I do things for others that they don't ask me to do. And they're things they really should be doing for themselves. And then I feel guilty if I don't help them. And all of this does the worst thing. It reinforces their self-image that they're weak and incapable. That's really what I'm doing when I'm a rescuer. And that's why it's so important for me to not go there and to be conscientious about letting others around me do what they're supposed to do, what they're capable of doing and just cheer them on and give them the confidence. There's a story at the beginning of Seven Habits where Covey talks about the same idea where they were really enabling and rescuing their son and it was debilitating and, and really crippling him. And when they got their own mindset fixed and when they saw things properly and when they pulled out and said, go ahead and do it, he rescued himself. You know, he, he stood up and, and took care of, of himself and it just transformed his life. What we want to do instead of being rescuers is to be coaches. And I want to clarify something here. Coaches get frustrated. Think about a coach on the sidelines of a soccer game or a football game. They get frustrated. They get upset. They feel disappointed. They feel confused. But what they do is believe in their players. What they do is teach and then let the players go play the game. They don't run out on the field and take the ball and run it in for a touchdown. They let the players play the game. They let, they ha- they let them have the failure or the victory on their own terms. All they can do is teach and stand on the sidelines. And the more negative they get, you know, you've seen those coaches that sometimes they get physical, but they're very verbally abusive. And we know enough to know that's not the best way. That doesn't bring out the best in people to always, you know, be be telling them that they can't do it, that they're not capable. We want to reflect to them that they are very capable, that we believe in them, that we're cheering them on, and then we're there if they need anything from us. Okay, the second thing that we can do to discipline our hearts is to control our emotions. And one of the things that's unfortunate in today's world is sometimes we're led to believe that we can't control our emotions or we shouldn't control our emotions. That that's suppression and that's unhealthy and we just have to get them out. The trouble is there's a balance to be struck there because sometimes what happens is that we have an emotion and then we quote, get it out and it produces more of the same. Because what we think and what we say, we get more of. Whatever we think about and talk about grows. We put energy into it and so it grows. And so the more, and this is why therapy is a delicate balance and you have to have somebody who really knows what they're doing because it can turn into a pity party. It can turn into a place where you just go and complain and you produce more of the same. And so... You want to be really careful. One time I, you know, years ago, I, I don't, of course, don't remember what it was about that I was so angry, but I allowed myself to get totally and completely out of control. And I was just almost screaming. And I'll never forget when it was all over standing there and I was physically sick. I, I felt like I was going to throw up. And I 
have since learned about the chemical toxins that are released through deeply negative emotions. And we have some books and resources in the academy that teach these, these um, scientific discoveries and truths more clearly than I can. Those negative emotions, the more we give into them, the more they can totally control our lives. So keep that in mind. Remember that you can control your emotions. And when you model that as a mother, it is so helpful for your children. And as a side note, it is easiest to control your emotions when your needs are being met. Depletion is often a reason why we don't feel like we have control over our emotions. So get in there, get serious about meeting your needs. Remember, no one can meet your needs but you. Review last month's podcast on self-care and really start getting serious about meeting your real needs so that it will be easier to manage your emotions. The third thing that we can do to discipline our hearts is to forgive ourselves and others and extend grace to ourselves and others. I have a podcast on some principles of forgiveness. I would recommend you go spend some time in if this is an issue for you, but remember an unforgiving heart is a callous. It is, it stops personal growth and it only hurts or mostly hurts the person who is unforgiving. Resentment is a cancer. It leads to addictive and unhealthy behaviors. It leads to self-loathing. You have got to forgive. You've got to forgive yourself. We talk about this more in depth in the academy as well. We have some tools and resources there. If, if this is a really tough one for you, I teach some biblical principles uh, that are just principles. That I, I use the Bible, but they're just principles of forgiveness. I would highly recommend that you learn those and that you get busy loving yourself enough, disciplining your heart enough to clean out the resentment to make your heart soft again. Resentment hardens it. And it's hard to truly love to the best of our capacity, ourselves or anyone else, when we're hanging on to resentment. It's it's so damning, you know? It just stops our spiritual and emotional progress when we're hanging on to it. So think, really take some time, you know, journal about this and ponder it. Am I holding on to resentments toward anyone? And if you are, get busy forgiving. It is something that's within your control. It it is something that you can do and God will help you. He wants to help you. He wants you to feel at peace. So that is another way we can discipline our hearts. And the last way, uh, I'm sure there are other ways we can discipline our hearts and minds. These are the suggestions I have for you today is to practice patience. Here's a definition of patience. Some really great thoughts that can be a little painful to hear, but are also very empowering. It is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm an unruffled temper. It is endurance without murmuring. And in the 1828 dictionary, it says, Christian submission to the divine will. Now I've got a podcast on that principle of being willing. We've been talking about it in the Facebook group. So get serious about being willing and what that looks like and 
and how it will totally transform your life. And if, you know, waiting on God's timing can really be tough. And patience, of course, is also a principle of faith. We cannot have real true faith unless we're patient. We have to let God know what it is that we desire. And then we need to think and speak in ways that are in line with that desire. And that includes envisioning and positive, optimistic thoughts and words. And then we wait without complaint for that thing to to come about. And sometimes it takes years, but we wait because we don't get to control everything. And when we white knuckle it and try to control things, it just brings upset and negativity because no amount of white knuckling it is going to cause it to come about. It's going to come when it's the right time for it to come. A couple more little definitions. It is patience is a calm temper which bears evils without murmuring. And here's a one I love, waiting long for justice. Justice is an eternal law of this world and the next. <laughs> and justice will be served through mercy, through forgiveness, but also through natural consequences. We see that all around us and natural blessings that come. There's, I have a podcast on claiming your blessings. That might be a good one to grab if you're struggling with your patience. Claim the blessing and know that it's coming. Do your part and God will answer it. It's a true principle. I mean, even those who don't even believe in God actively preach the law of attraction, which is a component of the principles of faith because that is how this world works. We are children of God who have divine power to spiritually create. And that's what we're doing. We cannot not create. So create the right things. Take an active role in the creation of your life. So again, just to recap, law two is to love yourself and strive for self-mastery. And principle two is to discipline your heart and mind. And you're going to do that. You're going to discipline your mind by developing your reason and thinking skills, by controlling your thoughts, and by setting goals and visualizing them. And you're going to discipline your heart by staying out of victim mentality, deciding to be a coach and a creator, by controlling your emotions, by forgiving yourself and others and extending grace, and by practicing patience. I promise you these tools and principles will really enable you to make strides toward the self-mastery you long for and their practical, actionable tools and skills that you can take action on right now that you can teach your children and your families and that you can work on together. That's my challenge that you'll pick one of these that you listened to today that really resonated with you and you thought, oh, that's that's really one I could work a little more on. And then if I've got another podcast on it, great. There's lots and lots of tools, you know, all over, you know, the internet and in books and other places that you can go grab that will help you to better discipline your heart and mind and have the self-mastery that you want. So take action, take that first step. I would love for you to join our Facebook group and this podcast will go out and we'll put some 
you know, it'll be in the group. And I'd love to hear your comments, your success stories. What is the challenge that you took up that you're doing to better discipline your heart and mind? And how's it going? And how can we help you succeed? Thank you so much for joining me today. You may want to run over to the missiondrivenmom.com. We are transforming our website. I am super on fire about the new changes in messaging. I think you'll love it. There's going to be some new opt-ins there. The full version of the audiobook will no longer be available within the next couple months at longest. So you'll want to grab that if you want to have uh, a, a, the audio version. We will be releasing a hard copy of the book this summer. So that will be really exciting and you can grab a hold of that. But thank you so much for joining me. And if you've not joined our Facebook group, please, please do so. And I will see you next time.